Hallelujah. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord? I am because there's air conditioning. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. All the time. Amen. There's a song that says, Hallelujah, anyhow. Amen. It doesn't matter if your air conditioner is broke or not. Hallelujah, anyhow. Amen. I'm thankful that God has reached down in my life, that he saved me from a world of sin. Amen. Aren't you glad that you're, you're separated from a past life, that God reached down and gave you freedom? Amen. It's been mentioned already. We are thankful for our physical freedom, the freedom that we have in this country. Amen. The things that we're allowed to do that other nations, other countries are not allowed to do. We're thankful for that. We're thankful for all those that have fought to give those freedoms to us. But more importantly than that, I'm thankful for spiritual freedom. Amen. What you feel today is the spiritual freedom. Is that presence of the Lord. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. Aren't you glad that you're in a house of God, that you can feel the liberty of the Holy Ghost? Amen. I'm thankful for the presence and the touch of God. I never want to take the Spirit of God for granted. I never want to think about it in, in, in a way that this is just common. Amen. In fact, the scribes and the Pharisees tried to take the disciples and put them into a common prison. But the angel of the Lord appeared to them and said, why don't you go back to the house of God where you belong and talk to the people of the words of this life? Why don't you go back to church where liberty is, where freedom is? Amen. I'm thankful for the spirit and the presence of God. Amen. Paul and Silas were in prison. Amen. They one writer said, one songwriter said, things weren't looking very good in their neighborhood. Amen. Things were not going well for them. They were not on the mountaintop. They didn't just come back from, from youth conference. They didn't just get an upgrade in their bank account. Things were not going well for them. But the Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. And the Bible says that all the prisoners heard them. And there was a shaking in the prison. So not only did the prisoners hear something they had never heard before, but they felt something they had never felt before. That, that sounds a lot like a church service. When the people of God raise their voice and begin to worship God, there is a, a presence of God that moves. As God came down and inhabited the praises of his people right in the midst of that prison cell and everyone's doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. Amen. That means if we are emulating Paul and Silas as the church and those prisoners as those people that are not free from sin, then we play a very important role in the process. We play a part in people being set free. Amen. Every time we walk in the house of God, we need to scan the congregation and say, is there any prisoners here today? Then I've got a responsibility to lift my hands. I've got a responsibility to walk these aisles or kneel where I'm at in prayer service and pray and, and reach out to God because there are prisoners that need to be set free. Amen. We don't have just the opportunity to worship, but we have a responsibility to worship. Amen. Amen. Never let me come to the house of God and take for granted the freedom of the Spirit of God that I can just tap in whatever I want to. No, I want to I wanna be so excited about the liberty and the presence of God. I want to remember where I was dug from. I want to remember where God brought me from and let that drive my worship every time I walk in the house of God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalms chapter 42. Amen. We don't have service tonight. So I'm just trying to mash Sunday morning and Sunday night together. Amen. There are so many statements already that were made concerning this service. And, and I believe God is letting things align and that God really wants to talk to somebody here today. Amen. It doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have in your bank account. God loves you. And God wants to help you today. I mean, God wants to reach down and change your life. 
Amen. Psalms chapter 42 and verse 1 says, As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My soul thirsteth for God. Just like that deer longs for the water. Just like that, I long after him. Just like that deer needs the water to survive, I need God in my life. I never want to get to the place in life where I do not need him. Amen. I need him every day. In him I live, move, and have my being. He's my everything. He's my all in all. I can't make it without Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to talk a little while on this thought, a declaration of dependence, a declaration of dependence. I wonder if you can lift your hands towards heaven. Could you ask God to touch us in the remainder of this service? God, we Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we praise you. God, we've come to this house to worship your name. God, we haven't come to sit on a pew and relax, but God, we've come to lift up the name of Jesus. Lord, your name is higher than any other name. God, your name is greater than any other name. Lord, there's no other name like the name of Jesus. God, we worship you. We lift you up. We magnify you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for standing today. You may... Be seated. The United States Declaration of Independence, formerly the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America is is the pronouncement adopted by the Second Continental Congress meeting in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on July 4th, 1776. The declaration explained why the 13 colonies at war with great with the kingdom of Great Britain regarded themselves as 13 independent sovereign nations no longer under British rule. With the declaration, these new states took a collective first step towards forming what we know today as the United States of America. Its sole purpose, this document that was signed, was to let British rule, no, that we are proclaiming, we are declaring a separation and independence from you ruling over our lives. Making a declaration of independence is broke down into this definition. If you look at the word declaration, it means the act of declaring to make an announcement, a formal statement or proclamation a document embodying or displaying an announcement or proclamation. There was a declaration, a announcement, a proclamation that happened. The, The word independence is the state or quality of being free. Freedom from control, influence, support, aid, or the like of others. Can I tell you today we must make a declaration that we are going to live for God. We must make a declaration that we are going to separate ourselves from the world and from the things of the world. We've got to make a declaration. Every single one of us must come to a crossroad in life that we have to declare some things, that we have to proclaim some things in our life. We've got to make up our mind that I'm going to live a life of holiness I'm not going to dress like the world. I'm not going to act like the world. I'm going to set aside my soul. I'm going to set aside my life and live a life of holiness. I've got to make a declaration that I will not serve the gods of this world. I will not serve the sports scene. I will not serve the party scene. I will not serve alcohol. I will not serve drugs. I will not be involved with Hollywood idols and looking after them for my Influence. I will not, I declare, I will not wear certain things. I I will not go certain places. I, I will not put certain things on my skin. I will not continue to live the same way 
as I did before God touched me. I've got to make a declaration. I've got to make a proclamation that I am going to be independent from sin. I will not serve sin. I'm breaking free from sin's ruling over my life. Amen. The Bible says the pleasures of sin are for just a season. Uh, the pleasures of sin are maybe fun for a moment. I had a friend that decided at the age of 17 to run off and join the military, and his parents gave him permission. And after his time serving in basic training, he came back home, and he was involved in, in, in drugs and involved in the party scene. And we were trying to pull him back into the church, Brother Bradford, and we we, we took a day we were going to go snowboarding and, and we were staying the night at a friend's house. We are going to get up very early. And I remember sitting there talking with him and I asked him, I said, what is it in this world that is so enticing? What is it that keeps you from coming to church? I wanted to know. I wanted to try to understand why people walk away from the house of God. And he said, I'll tell you this. It was fun at first. He said, I didn't have my parents telling me what I could and couldn't do. I didn't have someone looking over my shoulder, seeing if I was sinning or not. There, there, was a, there was an element of what I felt like was liberty in my life. I could go to the party. I could hang out with whoever I wanted to. He said, then it became a vicious cycle. He said, I don't even enjoy the party anymore. He said, but I just go because that's who I am. Can I tell you today, there needs to be a proclamation that I'm not going to live the way the world wants me to live. I'm not going to serve sin. I'm not going to let sin rule over my life. Ruth chapter 1 verse 6 says, Naomi arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return to the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. You got to go back to the land of praise. We could take a little bit of time to talk about that. That's where liberty is, is when you step into the spirit of God and when you worship him. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go Return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grants you that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. Notice that they both were on board. Both of them were ready to, uh, to leave behind uh, that city of Moab and go with Naomi to her people. And Naomi said, turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? And they lifted up their voice in verse 14. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, behold, Thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. And whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. And thy people shall be my people. And thy God, my God. Whether thou diest, will I die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also if aught but death part thee and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left off speaking unto her. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem. The city of Moab, the people of Moab were the offspring of Lot's incestuous relationship with his eldest daughter. It was a place that was full of idolatry. While they had Hebrew blood that was flowing through their veins and a Hebrew lineage that they could tie themselves to, they turned aside and created themselves gods to worship and gods to, to uh, give their homage to. And one of these uh, 
gods they erected and created was Chemosh, to whom they even went so far as to offer human sacrifices. You can see how, how far they had strayed from the light of God, how far they had strayed from the things of God. You can look around in this world and you can see how far this world has strayed from God's goodness, how far that this world has strayed. You can walk through your malls and shopping centers. You can drive down the street and you can see people that are so far away from God. You can declare your independence from the wrong thing. If you're not careful, you can claim your independence that I don't need. I don't need the church. I don't, I don't really feel like I need God in my life. I don't need godly influences like a youth pastor and a Sunday school teacher. I don't, I don't think I need, uh, I want to be independent from my pastor giving me advice and telling me the way that I should live and walk uh, and the way that I would bless my life and bring me to goodness and good things. Orpah made the wrong declaration. She made a declaration of independence from not just Naomi, but from Naomi's God and from Naomi's walk and way of life. Amen. There was a, there's a scripture, and I wish I could remember where it's found, but they said if you're going to, I believe it's in Song of Solomon, it said, I'm trying to find the shepherd. And it says you follow the tracks of the flock. You follow the footsteps of the sheep. And you're going to find the shepherd. Can I tell you, you've got to be tied to the house of God. If you don't know how to live for God, you tie yourself to some church people and say, I don't know how to do this. I, I don't know how to dress. I, I don't know how to worship. I don't know how to pray. Can you teach me? And you'll find your way to the shepherd. But she made a declaration that I don't want your God. I don't desire to have a relationship with him. I don't desire to be a part of the church, a part of God's people. But what she really needed to do was make a declaration of independence from Moab. She needed to tell Moab goodbye. She needed to leave Moab in the rearview mirror and go full forward towards the things that God had for her. But I believe what kept her, and she was struggling and finally, after some pushing, after some entreating, after some talking from Naomi, she finally makes a decision. I'm going to go back to Moab. Because I believe there were still some connections there. I believe there were some, some connections that she hadn't quite severed. Hey, if you're going to make it out of the world of sin, if you're going to make it out of this life uh, and to live for God and, and to create a relationship with him, you've got to get rid of those connections that want to pull you back into a world of sin. I can see as Orpah says, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to go with Naomi, but I'm, not, I'm kind of on the fence. I might just come back. So don't. Don't sell my old Moabitess outfits. Don't clean out my closet. Keep a few outfits in there for me because I might just come back. Don't sell my house. Why don't you set it up as an Airbnb? And let's not sell it quite yet because I might just be back. Don't, don't throw out my music. Don't delete my Apple Music account. Don't throw out my makeup and jewelry. Don't, don't delete that playlist that I every once in a while listen to in Moab. Don't delete the t Apple TV app because I might just come back to Moab. You just keep those things around for me. I, I may not be, maybe I can just go to Moab every once in a while. Maybe if I just show up in Moab maybe once a month and vacation there, maybe everything's going to be okay. I couldn't understand why Orpah would want to turn the opposite direction and run back to Moab. But if you look at Orpah's name, it gives some indication of her, of her life. Orpah is simply defined and translated into the word gazelle. A gazelle is a very small 
deer-like creature that is very swift of foot, but they are a very skittish and fearful animal. The first sign of trouble, they bolt in the opposite direction. The first sign of trouble, they backslide. They go back to their old way of life. And I can see his Orpah, the first sign of, of opposition, that she's going to have to leave home. She's going to have to go to a foreign place. She throws caution to the wind, and just like her name, she turns and runs back to Moab. Can I tell you, saint of God, you've got to hold tight to the church. You've got to hold tight to God. And when troubles rock and troubles rage, you just stay in the boat and you just wait for Jesus to calm the waters. But you've got to stay in the house of God. When God brought you out of sin, he did not intend for you to go back. In fact, when God brought Israel out of Egypt, he covered, he, he destroyed, he took care of and destroyed the pathway that brought them out of Egypt. In other words, there was no way back to sin. Can I tell you, when God brought you out of sin, he did not intend for you to go back. Come on, in, in salvation, he wiped out the pathway back. He took care of many, in many of your cases, he took care of addiction in the moment of salvation. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, God took the addiction out of the way. That God reached down and moved in circumstance and situations in your life that covered the pathway back. He'll always provide the pathway out, but he's not going to provide the pathway back. But God gives you free choice. Much like we live in a free country, we have the free choice as mankind that I can stay on this side of the Red Sea or I can spend my time building a bridge so I can get back to sin. It's got to be our choice. And I choose not to go back to where God brought me from. I choose not to go back. In fact, there's, uh, I believe it's in Isaiah that says if you, if you follow after the Lord, that, that king that you fear and his sword, you're not going to have to worry about. But it says if you turn it all from following after me, then famine's going to find you there. And the sword which you feared shall destroy you. Can I tell you, I'm not interested in going back to Moab. I'm not interested in going back to a life where my life will be taken and put into ruins. Naomi, or, but Orpah made a declaration of independence. She said, Naomi, I don't want your God. I don't want your people. But you understand the definition of independence is also in there is all the benefits. It's all the good things. Freedom from the control. I don't want anyone telling me what to do. I don't want anybody influencing me. But you also denounce the support and the aid from God. And I can see as Orpah shakes her head and says, I, I'm not interested. But right behind on the tails of her sister-in-law leaving and walking back to Moab, Ruth understands and she makes the right declaration. Instead of making a declaration of I want to be independent from God and independent from the influence of the people of God, I, she made a declaration of dependency. Naomi, I need you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I'm going to lodge. Why? Because I need you, Naomi. I need your God. I need your way of life. I'd rather die in Bethlehem. She said, where you buried, I'm going to be buried. If death separate us, so be it. But I'm going to go if I'd rather die in Bethlehem than go back to Moab. I was talking to a preacher, a pastor friend of mine, and he was talking about a man in his church that had backslid and given his life to drugs, and he had, he had had so many connections in the drug world and in the, in the city and the surrounding area that he, he was having a hard time getting free from this drug and this influence on his life. And this pastor called a friend of his and said, I know you have a man in your church that, that God delivered from drugs, and, and, and I, 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 just, I would like to talk to him. I need some help in, in trying to convey to this man what he needs to do. 
He said he called this individual, and this man said simply this. In advice, he said, you've got to tell him that he would rather die than go back to the drugs. That he would rather die than go back to the drugs. That's where he's going to get broke free. Hey, I'd rather die in the house of God than live years and years. Better is one day in his courts than thousands elsewhere. Bring on the problems. Bring on the issues. Bring on the devil fighting me. I don't care. I'm going to live for God. I'd rather live for God than go back to, to Moab. She didn't really understand exactly what she was saying. She said, I, I need you, Naomi. Hey, there are people that need you, saint of God. There are people that need you to teach them a Bible study. They need you to be the light of God at work. They need you to stop on the, on the side of the road and then someone holding a sign tell them about a testimony where God brought you from. They need a Naomi in their life. She said, I'm going to go where you're going to go. I'm going I'm to lodge where you lodge. I'm going to go to Bethlehem. I'm going to go from a place of Moab where there is idolatry and sin and, and, and all these problems. And I'm going to a place that is defined as the house of bread. If you look at that word Bethlehem, it is defined the house of bread. Can I tell you, you need the church to feed you. You need the church. You need the house of God. Hey, I need, I need the church. I need the church so much the more as we see that final day approaching. I need to be at the house of God where I can be fed with the bread, the word of God. But in Ruth chapter 1 verse 1, we find, it says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, that there was a famine in the land, in the land of the people of God, in the land where, in the church, in the saint of God that couldn't feel God's presence for a few services, a saint of God that was going through a struggle in life. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. See, every time you struggle in the house of God and you go through a little dry spell and a little famine, the devil will say there's another place you can go to find what you need. You can go to Moab and find everything you need. There's, there's a famine in your spiritual walk. There's a famine in the house of God. Why don't you take your family and go to another place, go to another church? Oh, I, I, I've heard that excuse time and time again. Well, I'm just not being fed there. Could it be that you're not walking in with your plate ready and with your mouth open ready to eat? The enemy will offer and tell you that you can't be fed by the church, that you need to look for bread somewhere else, that you need to look for that sustaining touch somewhere else in life. You need to look to sin. Amen. But I am interested in staying in the house of God. I don't know about you, but I need Jesus. I can't make it without him. John chapter 6, verse 66 says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. People that had seen him heal, people that had heard him speak, then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? We don't have anybody to turn to. We don't have a life to go back to. When we, when we followed after you, we dropped the nets of our old life. We, we left everything to my, behind. Who shall we, to where shall we go? To whom shall we go? And he said, thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure thou, that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was saying, I don't have anybody to go back to, God. I don't have a relationship to go back to. I don't have a sin that I'm still partaking in every once in a while to go back to. I don't, I don't have a life outside of living for God to go back to. I don't have another identity that I can turn on and off when I'm 
out of church, I'm somebody else. And when I'm in the house of God, I flip the switch and I'm all of a sudden a Christian. Amen. But I need him. When I understand I need him, we struggle with desperation. We struggle in this time and day when everything is at our fingertips. When everything is just a Google search away. When everything is just a drive through away. We have an issue with desperation. God, could we see some of our miracles and, and some of our healings and some of our, and some of our prayers answered if we just got desperate enough to say, God, I need you. I need you more than tomorrow. I need you more than my job. I need you more than an occupation. I need you more than a, than a family connection. I need you more than a friendship. I need you more than anything. This world is so, they boast up being self-dependent. When someone can fix things on their own and they don't have to call a mechanic, being self-dependent is something that is looked on as a favorable thing. But I'm not interested in being self-dependent. I'm dependent on him. I'm depending on him to get me through. Psalm 63 and 1 says, Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory. So I, as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life itself, my lips shall praise thee. My, I thirst for him. That word thirst means to desire eagerly. I have a desire for him. There's something to be said about having a positive attitude, of having a you-can-do-it attitude or I-can-do-it attitude. When we're trying to teach our child how to ride a bike, there is a moment where we have to say, hey, I'm going to let go of this seat, and you can, you can ride this bike. You can do it. Hey, I'm going to take the floaties off your arms, and you're already, you already know how to swim, but you just... You've got you've to break free. You've got, you can do it. You can do it. And there is power. There is power in having the right mindset. But there are some things that we have to be realistic and understand that there are some things that I cannot do and cannot get to on my own. And I can tell you I cannot make it without Jesus. The Bible says unless you become as a little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of God. Children are completely dependent on others. They're dependent on their parents to put food on the table, to put clothes on their back. Hey, just like that, if I'm going to make it to the kingdom of God, if I'm going to make it to heaven, I've got to become like a child and say, God, I need you. God, I can't make it without the touch of God. There's a power in can't. God, I can't make it without you. God, I can't. I can't get up in the morning and function throughout the day without you. There is a power and understanding that I am weak. And when uh, I am weak, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. I can't get to heaven on my good deeds alone. I am not enough. I need him. There are things in life that I'm not designed to carry by myself. There are hurts. There are pains. There are, there are emotional scars in life that will happen that I am not designed to carry on my own. And if I try to hold on to them and try to deal with them by myself, I'll wind up turning to things that will destroy me. And that's why I've got to have a Savior that I can put my cares upon. Oh, because He cares for me. Revelations 3 and verse 15 says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind 
and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. His throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. I have need of him more than my job. I think about that rich young ruler so often. He said, one thing that thou lacks, sell all that thou have and give to the poor. There's one thing. You're too dependent on your possessions. You're too dependent on your house and your car and, and your social status of having all these nice things. And I don't think there's anything wrong with having a nice home and a, and a nice vehicle. And, and, but, but when it starts to get off balance and it starts to affect your walk with God, I'd rather live in a shack. I'd rather live under a bridge and live for God than have the nicest home that money could buy. Because I need him more than I need possessions. That's why when they gave the announcement to Job that everything that he had was destroyed, his children, his cattle, all of, all of his possessions were gone. The Bible says that Job fell down on the ground and worshiped God. Why? Because those things were not his source of life. Those things were not what he had his life uh, bought into. They were just additions in life. They were, help, they were there to help facilitate his walk with God. I believe every blessing we have is there to help us facilitate the kingdom of God. It's there to help us uh, further the church. It's there to help us outreach and win souls. It's there for a reason. And if God wants to give me to give up on blessings that he's given me, I didn't deserve them in the first place. And so I'll give up whatever it takes that I might have Christ. More than impressing my friends, more than anything, I've got to be saved. More than occupation, more than relationship, more than desires of sin. If there's anything keeping me from needing him, I've got to remove it from my life. Mark chapter 2 verse 15 says, And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of a physician. But they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That word whole means to be strong in body, to be robust, to be in a sound health. In other words, he was really not interested in those that were capable and had no need of his touch. God is interested in every single one of us. But he would rather spend time in communion and his presence falling on those that are saying, I need you, God. I can't make it without you than those that say, I have no need of anything. Think about Vashti. The king called her. King Ahasuerus. The king called to Vashti his queen. And Vashti refused. I don't want to. I don't want to show up. I don't want to do what the king's asking me to do. She had gotten to the place in life where she didn't need the king any longer. She had a position. She had a spot in the church. She had a ministry to work in. She didn't need the king any longer. But because of this, she was cast out and exiled from the kingdom. But I want you to see the sharp contrast between Vashti and Esther, Esther comes in with an understanding that I need the king in my life. She approached the king even though she didn't know what was going to happen. 
but she had a need in her life that only the king could be the answer for. She needed salvation that only he could offer. Can I tell you, when we start to walk in our walk with God, we've got to understand that I've got to continue to understand that I need God. More than just a one salvation moment where I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I need salvation every single day. I need God's touch every moment. I can't make it without him. John 21 and 3 says, Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. They said unto him, we go also with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, children, have ye any meat? I like how he posed it, children. Don't you remember? Children are dependent on somebody. They answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast thy nets on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now... They were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. The fishermen had to cast their nets on the other side. What they were trying was not working. They were skilled fishermen. They knew how to fish. They had been toiling all night. They had been dealing with this, and they had caught nothing. But just a word from Jesus and a following after that word can change so many things in your life. Their way of life was not working out. Can I tell you, without Jesus, I will toil and toil and have nothing to show for my toil. But if I just hear the word of God and I obey him, then I will never bring in an empty net. If I obey the word of God, amen, I will never bring in an empty net. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to the riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There is nothing too hard for him. He will take care of your need according to his riches. But too often we let our needs override our need for him. We walk into the house of God and because we have needs that haven't been supplied yet, we forget about the need supplier. We forget about the God that is able to supply that need. And we get so focused on our need and it not being supplied that we sit on a pew depressed, stressed out, and worried about life. And we miss a moment where God can supply that need. Our needs need to become secondary to our need for him. Because if we focus on our needs and we start, if we focus on them too long, we can start to be consumed. And it can cause us to grow depressed, bitter discontented, offended. I want the healer more than I want the healing. I want God more than anything. Hey, if I, if I die, let me die in the armies of the Lord. If I, if I die from a sickness that can't be cured, at least I'm in the house of God. At least I still have my Savior. Psalms 121 verse 1 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. My help cometh from him. Not a 12-step program. Not a welfare system. But my help is going to come from the Lord. When Israel was in bondage, Moses spoke to, or God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush and said, Tell them. That I am, that I am has come. If you look at this word, there are many that say this can be translated into this. I will be what I will be. Or I will become what I will become. In other words, he was telling his people, I will be whatever you need to be, me to be. I am that I am. Well, I need, I need salvation. I am that I am. I, I, need, I need deliverance. I am that I am. I need healing. I am that I am. He was trying to let his people know whatever you need, I am that for you. Come to the music. But what's so wonderful is my need for God comes with benefits. I gain his blessing. I gain his favor. 
Just because I need him, I gain freedom. I gain provision. I gain salvation as a benefit to my need for him. In this world, uh, the needs that I have in this world, I gain heartache and brokenness and pain. But I get benefits when I start to understand that I need God. There are people that come in and stand with a stoic expression that says, I don't, I don't need anything or I don't need anyone. Don't wait until God has to show you that you need him. When they wandered through the wilderness, the Bible says that he suffered them to hunger. He suffered them to hunger so that they would turn back and follow after him. Hey, I don't want to get to a place where God has to put me in a place of starvation before I realize that I need him. I don't want to get to the place where I'm laying on a hospital bed with life fleeting and draining out of me before I realize, hey, I need to live for God. I don't want to wait until a child is backslidden before I realize that I needed to be the example of how to live for God in their life. I want to show my daughters that, yeah, dad can do most things. Dad can do about every, anything but fix an AC unit. Brother Bradford, I was so broke that I had my injectors in my truck go out. And I, I, I'm not a mechanic, but because I couldn't afford to take it to a shop, I had to tear apart my motor. I've never done that before. But I got it done. After putting the injectors in and blowing the seals off about seven times and pulling them back out and putting them back in and buttoning I finally got it done. So I want my children to know that, hey, whatever you need, your dad, can, your dad can help you. But I also want to show them that there are some areas of life that a dad has to be dependent on God. There's some things in life that dad can't accomplish. There's some things in life that you have to turn to a savior and you have to turn to a God and you have to turn to a moment on your knees that you cry out and say, God, I need you. I believe someone in this place needs to tell Moab goodbye. Someone in this place needs to let go of sin and quit being dependent on sin. I've seen it. There'll be a moment in an altar where they will make a decision that I'm not going to go back to this. I'm completely dependent on God. And just a few months later, their life starts to rock a little bit. They go right back to the alcohol, right back to the drugs. Why? Because there's still a sliver. There's still something in their lives that they've had a, they have a connection back to their old life. I've got to tell Moab goodbye. I've got to leave the clothes behind. I've got to leave the music behind. I've got to leave the Hollywood influence behind. I've got to leave everything behind. I've got to turn away from sin. And I've got to follow after God. Singers, if you could come. If we could stand all across this place. On this day that we're celebrating a declaration of independence, I believe we should also celebrate and be mindful that we need to make a declaration of dependency. That God, take this whole world but give me Jesus. Take everything in this life. Take the occupations, the money, the trips to Disneyland. Take it all. But just give me Jesus. I'd rather go to heaven. That's why Jesus said it's harder for a rich man to fit through an, a camel to fit through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter to heaven. Because the rich man is dependent on his possessions and money. I'd rather be broke. I'd rather have these soles falling off these shoes and holes in this white dress shirt as long as I'm living for God. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to have all the money in the world. I don't have to have all the blessings everybody else has. As long as I've got Jesus, that's all that matters. I wonder right now if we lift our hands all across this building. 
Let it be a sign of surrender. Let it be a sign of, God, I'm reaching up in need for you. God, I don't, I don't want anything else to come before my need for you. God, today I'm going to make a declaration of, God, I need you. I'm going to make a proclamation that I'm not going to go back to this world. I'm not going to go back to sin. I'm not going to go back to the worldly influences. But, God, I'm turning to follow after you. Come on, the Bible says those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. If you're hungry today, and if you say I have a desire for God, God will fill you with whatever you need. If you need the Holy Ghost, God will give you the Holy Ghost. Come on, if you need a, if you need a financial blessing, God will provide a way. If you need a touch in your body, all you've got to do is get a desire, a need, a hunger that says, God, I need you. I need you touch. I need your presence. Hallelujah. Well, these altars are open if you want to make your way and find a moment where you can talk to God and say, God, I know I've been depending on other things. I've been depending on myself too much. I've been depending on my work. I've been depending on things in life. But God, I want to depend on you. I need you more. God, I need you more. More than you. Need you. God, I may have been living for God for 20, 